Welcome to the Omega Corp, boys. Hope you survive the experience. Welcome to the Omega Corp with Keith and Chris. I'm Keith. I'm Chris. And it's here. Week we start diving into comics. Specifically, this week we're going to dive into part one of Uncanny Avengers, Volume 1. Written by Rick Remender and artists. There's multiple artists on this, but the main breakout one, I remember back in the day, was what got me super excited was John Cassidy. Which, if you know John Cassidy, I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but he did <laughs> Astonishing X-Men. Uh, and I don't remember who was the writer of that one. I think it was like Jason Aaron or something like that. Or no, 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 no. It was uh, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Astonishing. Astonishing, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought you said amazing at first. I was going to say, no, no. No, that was Jason Aaron. That was Jason Aaron, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's, he's no, he, he's, you know, he's an elite, elite artist. He knows what he's doing, for sure. Also, did Planetary, which is for DC, and that's a whole other thing, but great artist. Yeah, because wasn't uh, he just coming over from DC? He'd been there for a yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was over in DC. He was also doing like indie books and stuff. So yeah, that was like a big get for Marvel. It was like, and I think, and it, I guess it wasn't really like a big get, but it was still like it was, it was a good, it was a good feeling. It was, it was good to have him back. You know, it was about as big a get as when DC got Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's very true. Yeah, which was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, so. he kind of on things a little bit, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, well. <laughs> so before we actually dive into the episodes, there's some stuff that happened in the lead-ups that we need to cover. Um, mainly stuff dealing with the fall, the reason that the team was put together in the first place, and some of the stuff that will lead into the fallout of the team eventually. Yeah. Um, obviously, this was coming straight off the backs of AVX, Mm. Scott had just killed uh, Professor Xavier, among many other people. Yeah, when yeah. the Phoenix Five was a thing. Yeah, it, it was a uh, that that was a big deal too. That was man. We we talk about like big events that Marvel did, and like that was kind of like to me that was like the last real good one. The last real good big event. It it kind of it yeah. sets the stage for literally like years upon years of. Book. storytelling and it's you know it's one of those it's one of those big storylines which you think is such a simple concept and it's kind of been mucked around with in the past a little bit but yeah not to the full degree that that storyline had but anyways um yeah that was a huge uh storyline and also we had uh just come off of uncanny x-force yeah which i, I believe rick remender also wrote yeah so. And in that, Wolverine and the X-Force team had been forced to kill one of their own because Archangel had become Apocalypse. Yeah, it, it was it was basically like like way back in the day, it was when uh, Archangel got his metal wings, it was because he was a horseman of the Apocalypse. It never went away, he just basically kind of learned to deal with it, Psylocke helped a tremendous deal, but... It was kind of always gnawing at him all he, the time. He actually overfought it and came back on his own without any help uh, when it originally happened. Yeah, yeah. But they went in as the X-Force, killed 
the stuff was in the universe. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a clone of Insevenor, but he was a child. Yes. Which is kind of fucked up, to say the least. It was, but it was what they needed to do. Yeah, Because they didn't need another apocalypse coming. And they made up for it. They trapped one in the world and made him a good guy. Uh, Yeah, that was mostly Phantom X absolving himself of his guilt, because... Yes, technically, Wolverine did lead the charge, but it was Phantom X who pulled the trigger. Which, yeah. you know, you'd think it wouldn't be a problem for him, but apparently he harbored a bunch of guilt. And he has his own little clone that he had in the world, and, you know. Which, if you don't know what the world is, it's basically this, like, tiny little pocket dimension type thing that the Weapon X program somehow made, and it basically allows the, them to control time. It's this tiny little area... Everything is super controlled, you know, time, the evolutionary process, everything. But after a while, Phantom X got a hold of it. And if you've been reading the more recent stuff, like the after House of Powers, it's played a big part in the whole Krakoa yeah. universe. Ab- oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so they killed Archangel, which was going to come back to haunt them. Because before then... He had gotten with one of his, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the horsemen. His horsemen, yeah. That's what it is. He, uh, I believe it was, not Pestilence. Yes, it was Pestilence. Was it Pestilence? Okay. It was Pestilence. <laughs> which, which, that's another thing, too. Weirdest. Rick Remender comes up with, like, the weirdest four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're always so weird, and I love it. Like, I... I love it that there's one that was a drummer, and when he would drum, you would get, like, deathly ill and start vomiting all over the place. It was really weird. Yeah. But it was awesome, though. It was really good. It was a good storyline. It, like, it, it's definitely, like, if you, if you do read this and you want to know more of the backstory with that whole thing, they do touch on it in the book, which is good. But there is more to it. There's, you know, obviously... A lot more. A lot more to it. Yeah, yeah. So... Um. And then um, go back a little farther, even, and Wolverine has killed Dakin, his own son, yeah, by drowning him in a shallow pool, which is <laughs> horrible and just kind of kind of a very unfitting end to a character that's you know on par with Wolverine, except for you know the morality play, you know. It's, yeah, he's but got the- his he's got his issues for sure. But that's always been one of Wolverine's fears because of how heavy he is. He's not real buoyant. Yeah. So he's always been scared of water and drowning. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that he used it against Dakin, who didn't have the adamantium to help weigh him down to overthrow his uh, healing factor. Yeah, there's... And that's kind of the cool thing about this book is it calls back to not even, like, stuff before that, but, like, years before that, calls back to House of M, the whole Wanda depowering the mutant population. There's, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that it calls back to, and it, it's just years upon years of storylines, Yeah, you know? And the final thing that really is important is the fight between Sentry and Thor, where Thor ends up eventually throwing Sentry into the sun. Yeah, yeah, that that's at the end of Siege. That was a... Uh, that was a very good book too. Very short, but very good. It was a it was a lot of lead up, a lot of lead up too. Yeah. And then it, I think the, <laughs> that what they were trying to get away with in that 
it was it was kind of like it had a bunch of tie-ins. That was like their first tie-in heavy uh, event. But like, man, that all it all happened so quickly, and I think that was the point because Century is just like ungodly powerful. So like, they had to hit them hard, they had to hit them fast, and you know, yeah, yeah it gets like I said, it's years upon years upon years of you know storylines that if you were a Marvel fan, it all gets you know in this storyline. And it's, it's really nice because, like, like I said, it's almost like a reward. It, like, if you've been following Marvel for, like, the past decade, this is, like, a nice reward. It, and it kind of does cap off everything for a yeah. little bit. And if you're not aware of some of these events, because you were completely lost and you had to go find somebody that knew what yeah. was going on. Yeah. So, um, but, so we come to the first episode issue of the uh, Uncanny Avengers, and it starts out with a mixture of the funeral of Professor Xavier, uh, Havoc going to see Scott in the raft. Yeah. And while he's there, uh, Captain America approaching him to become the leader of a unity squad so that the mutants and the Avengers can work together so they can kind of help prevent this ever happening again. Yeah, like I said, I... I like I was telling you before we started recording. I like, I just, I didn't just start it because I've read it before, obviously. But like, man, I like went through it real quick, and man, it's just like it's, it is so like it is it is kind of weird to see everyone so dour for the most part because like even Wolverine's eulogy is kind of like, well, fuck, we failed him, you know? Like everyone's kind of like. We're, we're still in that boat of, like, everyone is, like, not really, they're like, we should unify, but, like, we're still harboring, like, all these old feelings and stuff, and that ends up playing a huge part in the dynamic up until a certain part. Um, also, the way the book opens in general is, like, someone's brain is just hanging out, like, the very first page. Yeah. Which, which <sighs> comes into play near the end of the issue, you figure out what's going on. Yeah, um, yeah. We get to the point eventually in that issue where Rogue and Scarlet Witch are fighting at Xavier's gravesite when Scarlet Witch, who didn't come to the funeral because she's still not well-liked because of No More Mutants and yeah. the, that whole storyline th- yeah, th- at this, the end of House of M. And the reading of this, it's not so much focused on your typical players, you know, there's Captain America, there's Thor... You know, Wolverine, it doesn't really focus. It is a rogue-centric and, like, Wanda-centric storyline all the way up until a certain point. It's, 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 it's good. It's, you know, it's a smart thing because, you know, Wanda, like you said, uh, not really being liked or even... Yes, but she was a mutant at the time, which they changed later. We won't even get into that right yeah. now. <laughs> I don't um, even know if we'll cover that. Uh, she was a mutant. She was the son, or the daughter, of uh, one of Xavier's best friends, and had a relationship with Xavier. Yeah. And so she kind of had a right, but a lot of people around the situation didn't feel that way. No. Rogue being one <laughs> of them, Rogue specifically. Was, <laughs> Rogue was the strongest in that feeling out adventure. Yeah. Um, and as they're getting ready to fight at the gravesite, 
like physically fight instead of just war of words, the gravesite basically blows up on them and they are taken hostage by the Red Skull who has come to retrieve the body of Professor Xavier. So yeah, that they, they get attacked by uh, his S-Men. Yes. Which, <laughs> which they're all so, so weird. <laughs> so weird and really almost stupidly overpowered that it really shouldn't have worked. Yeah. It really kind of didn't for a while. There, 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 there's this one that I, I found to be the weirdest. It was like this human that apparently Magneto slaughtered his family. But he like Mazi, yeah, Mazi, yeah, yeah, and he took on like this turtle god, like this turtle god's power, and it's just it's so it's so odd. There's there's a there's a woman who has a goat face. Don't know where that came from, but like she can negate mutant powers. She can negate, yeah. And it's it's just insane. There's one there's one that looks like a like a like a weird goat slash bird person she has living wind and i mean it's cool it, it's cool it's a cool group of people but they don't really go much further than this it's kind of they're they're basically right off characters yeah. uh for the most part but yeah they get attacked and you know they get taken pretty fairly easy yeah it's like you said you have like one of the most two of the most powerful people on that team and, and they kind of make short work of them a little not bit not on the team in the Marvel universe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which later you see, and yeah. it's just well, like, yeah. But then, then you know, we get to you know the Red Skulls, you know, lair, and we got a big reveal coming up. You find out the reason why he took Charles's body is because he essentially removed Charles's brain, and that, is using it to uh, taking parts of it to. Give himself Charles's psychic abilities, which is which is insane. Yeah, and I I wasn't sure how that was really going to work, but they made it work without going into too much detail, so that it's there. It's a fantasy world, so it's definitely it's definitely an Avengers level threat. And Wolverine does say this at some point. He's like, "We are so fortunate that that type of power was." bestowed upon Charles and not a psycho like Red Skull. Like not a, you know, not a, a Nazi bastard. Yeah, you, you, so so like, but, but now we're in that position where like, you know, Charles is gone and the Red Skull now has merged his brain with that of, you know, uh, Charles Xavier's and it's what, it is literally like a worst case scenario. It's, it's a nightmare scenario essentially. Yes. So, Rogue and Scarlet Witch wake up, and eventually, in the second issue, eventually come across Charles without his brain, basically, laying on a table. Uh, in the meantime, Scott is, or, uh, Alex is still being convinced by Captain America that he is the perfect leader for this team. Well, see, and they kind of got, like, a little bit of a test run even before, you know, the big reveal because uh, Avalanche was being mind-controlled by Red Skull to basically become, like, a human bomb. To, to start the war again. Yeah, so, yeah, and so, like, that's kind of, like, the test run. I think that was with Captain America, Havoc, Logan, and I think Thor was Thor, there. Thor, 
but like so basically like it, it, it sows this seed right off the bat that these people just they don't work well together they've got their own way of doing things we've got the avengers who have dealt with so many big cosmic and then we have like you know the x-men who have dealt with different but still same level yeah like, like they, they, they've, they've each had their own things but it's they've never for the most part really work together work together or even like try to be together the and closest so, that i can think of is actually the avengers working on the inside of the pocket dimension while the x-men work on the outside to try and release them yeah knowing that they were the only ones that would be able to that the avengers would be the only ones that would be able to overpower onslaught the original onslaught from back in the 90s yeah and then they kind of went their separate ways and didn't communicate very much at all. And, and and that is kind of like a like a point that they constantly bring home in AVX is like, where were you when this happened? And then they throw it back at them. Or, well, where were you when this happened? It's like you know. So they've never they've they've always dealt with their own issues separately. There's been maybe a mutual respect, but not really. Kind of. This is what this book is basically trying to show you, and then we come around to healing that you know, that wound that has been prominent in the Marvel Universe for years. It's always been Avengers kind of over here and X-Men over here. And that was kind of the way it was. And it's even further splintered, even with, like, Fantastic Four, if you want to get into it. Like, they all kind of have their own separate, you know, yeah. things going on all the time. Yeah, and sure, there were X-Men that were members of the Avengers at times. Beast yeah. was over there. I think Logan had been over there before. Yeah, a little. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, Professor Xavier was part of the uh, Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. Which that that that's that was a mess. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so we yeah like so basically like it's all it's all basically leads up. We get this nice little scene of Rogue, which in my opinion is one of the best scenes in these first. All the escape. I just yeah. thought about that. She's basically, was, yeah, she's basically waking up. We have two of the S-Men basically trying to feed her, you know, keep her alive. They're, of course, you know, monologuing about the grand ordeal and everything. And this is where you just truly get a scope of Rogue's resourcefulness and her power. Because one of the S-Men is a water being yeah, she's, who can teleport. Yeah. It, 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 it's and that's odd, how they but, travel know. <laughs> is by teleporting through her. Yeah, through and like puddles and water and stuff like that. She she links to a puddle and she they teleport through her. They walk into her, including her, and she can fold into herself and teleport with them to like a puddle or a lake or a pond or something like that. But yeah, the 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 escape. Oh God, it, like they're basically they give her water. She spits the water and like. A continuous stream. And it makes a connection. So she absorbs this Esmond's power through the water, and then she becomes, like, she takes the Esmond's power and escapes by, like... Teleports herself out of the... Out of the chamber through, through that, water that's yeah. spilled. And it, it's just... it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's this type of... The best line, too, is like, oh, you know, we got Gambit's kinky, you know kinky uh, water games or drinking games or whatever, she attributes it to that. So now I'm all I'm thinking about the whole time I'm reading it is like, oh man, you turned yourself into whiskey and he drank it or 
or something. Trying <laughs> something wild happened or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that fits in, but it is one of the. It was definitely one of the cooler moments. But then it jumps into like a Red Skull, um, basically talking with Wanda, talking with Wanda, trying to convince her to join him in eliminating the mutants so that the world could be a better place. And see, and this is yeah, this is like the this is like the seeds of the seat that kind of sow in a little bit because he is controlling her a little bit, but no one really realizes that you think she's actually like gonna go along with his plan. I don't think she actually was being controlled. I think she knew what he wanted to hear, and she was formulating a plan in her own mind and was gonna double-cross him. But Rogue shows up on the scene and just throws everything into chaos. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, like, she heard a little snippet, and this is a common thing that we go throughout this series, is Rogue not being able to really control herself. He, like, hearing the wrong things at the wrong times and not really taking time to think about it, just kind of moving with purpose. Yeah, but, I mean, she's kind of an... She's a hothead as it is. She's a hothead to begin with, and she's sensitive about everything to do with Wanda, and all of her fights are over Wanda. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, their fight ends up getting to a point where they fall into this underground chamber, they see Charles's body, and that's kind of like the, you know, the thing that, like, brings them together a little bit. Enough to know that they need to get out, they need to get help. Yes. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, sorry, I'm also flipping through the series because I have this memory of... (laughs) Things that, but so then basically jumps to episode three, yeah, which, which is like Red Skull's. This is Red Skull's attack on New York. It's his attack while they're escaping. He's decided to launch his first attack. Yeah, he's using Charles's power to mark people that have the X gene. Yeah, Charles's and mind can see who does and who doesn't, and, and creates a mob that is just beating the ever loving piss out of. And killing every single person that has a even a dormant X gene. Oh yeah, that's that's the one thing they really try to hit home is that like there's people that don't even know they have an X gene. It hasn't activated yet, so like they die without knowing, and they and, and it's not like it's it hasn't activated yet. They're fully grown. It's there. It's just a dormant gene. Yeah, it's something that they could pass on to their kids or whatnot. And they don't know anything's going on. And they're like, I'm not a mutant, but the crowd just slaughters them. Yeah. And this is, as Wanda and Rogue are escaping, they're kind of meeting up with the group that fought Avalanche. Yeah. It's mostly, it's like Havoc, Wolverine, and Cap. And Thor. Yeah. And, uh... This is another thing that they're kind of always playing around with, the idea that Alex is the leader, but Cap is like, uh, he's he's obviously a board leader, so Cap is having a hard time being second. Or not being second, but like taking orders. The and issue is, Captain America wanted Alex to lead the group. Yes. But then he couldn't let go of the reins. Yeah. I mean... That's the big thing. The man, the man has led the Avengers for how long now? Like, it, I mean, 
imagine it's it's probably pretty difficult. And Alex is already very skeptical about his abilities to lead an Avengers-level team. Yes. You know? he's, he's led teams in the past, but they were X-Factor and smaller groups. Yeah. And it, and it was like, you know, it was mostly mutants. It wasn't, you know, mutants and, you know, um, Avengers. I, I would say like meta, meta characters, you know, Avengers or anything like that. Yeah, so basically it just... It's a big-ass fight, and we get to a point where um, the goat-faced girl is turning off all of the mutants' powers, and this other guy, Honest John, oh. is confusing the Avengers and turning them to kick the ever-loving crap out of the mutants. Yeah, it's... It, it, yeah, Thor it, is whipping the f*** out of Wolverine. Well, so, yeah, so basically, like, Honest John's talking to Thor... He's, like, kind of, and, like, he's, that was, that's kind of, like, his ability is that, like, he, when he's talking to you, you see him as someone who is majorly important in your life. He's actually kind of con- help controlling everything alongside. Yeah, yeah. The uh, red, but the, yeah. Red Skull. But Red Skull's kind of pushing Captain America, and th- th- we get to a point where, like, Captain America is legitimately struggling to, like, he's fighting Alex, but he's holding back. Yes. And, yeah, and it basically gets to a point where, like, you know, all these people are kind of, you start seeing it here. Like, their their dysfunction is being exploited fully a little bit. You know? It's, um, you know, it's a hard thing to see. But, yeah, one of the best moments is, uh, you know, Wolverine is getting ready to attack, well, he does attack Red, Red Skull, and he cuts his fucking hand off. Like just cuts it clean off, you know, and then the goat face woman, I guess. I don't even goat know her face name. Girl with yeah, the goat face girl. She turns his powers off right as Thor is like coming down on him with like this Mulliner insane velocity. Mulliner in the lead. Yeah. <laughs> and it just and it just takes Wolverine the fuck out. Like he's he, he's out out. And he continues to beat the ever loving piss out of him. Yeah. And yeah, so, like, basically, that's, like, that's that, with that issue. Goes into the next issue. They... They, they kind of regroup and kind of get everything kind of linked out. Wanda's able to get her powers back going, and she's able to kind of... Well, she fights Thor. Like, to she see fights the, off Thor and yeah, kind of helps him regain his mind. Yeah. And yeah. they... Focus on Red Skull, and Red Skull sees it's time to retreat. <laughs> That's actually what I just saw, too. It's really funny, because, like, he tells Honest John to do something, and Honest John's like, wait, what? And, like, he kind of questions him a little bit, and he goes, dude, he goes, step to the left. And then, like, right as and he, and he goes, okay, and he steps to the left, and he gets beamed in the back of the head yeah, with Captain the, America's shield. Yeah. He goes, That's a lot. And <laughs> don't question me. Don't question me because this is what I, he basically I uses. will make you it take is, punishment. It, 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 yeah, it, it, is, it is one of the funnier moments in this issue. But yeah, it basically, this whole fight is just to show you how, how easily picked apart these guys can be. And it's gets to a point where they actually do kind of get back together, and like I said, uh, the Red Skull decides it's time to retreat, so he gets his S-Men together in the water teleporter, 
transports them away. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's, it leaves the Avengers to lick their wounds and try to figure out what they're going to do with this whole deal. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff we're grazing over, but you got to read the book. We're not going to tell you every aspect of it. We're and we're, we're covering stuff that we remember because it's important and it's yeah. It, it's it's the stuff that matters. Yeah. So like basically. And, after the after the fight, we get like basically a regrouping period. They, this is where they're like, you know, they're they they know they've been beat. Like they technically kind of won. The Red they Skull did won, retreat, but they didn't really because Honest John's still on the TV and he's still stirring up things. Mutants are still being killed. Mutants are still being killed. All this stuff. And so we get to the end of this issue, and this is this is a setup for a bigger event later, like way later. We've talked about this before in the past. It's not a good event. It's called Axis. But we basically get to the end of the issue. You see the first look of basically Red Skull as Red Onslaught, which is, you know, if you're an X-Men fan from back in the day, it was probably one of the first times. It's what we mentioned earlier. It's the first time the X-Men and the Avengers – Work together. Work together to, you know, and it was a Charles and Magneto thing. Basically, it was a psionic entity made, compiled up by Charles' worst fears and Magneto's kind of like most devious thoughts. Well, and as we're starting to get to that point, we need to explain the onslaught. Magneto ripped the adamantium out of Wolverine making him completely feral for a time. Mm -hmm. And after he did that in space, Charles said, fuck this, you're gone too far, and he completely wiped his mind. Yeah. He <laughs> became a freaking shell. And that was... He was unconscious for a long time. And, now that, and was that when he was... Is, there was a clone... Was it a clone, or was that him for what? Joseph... That was him for a while. Okay, so he, so he basically, yeah, Magneto, basically had to start from scratch. But you know, without all those memories of like the Holocaust and all that stuff, like you know, for the most part, he's a, he's a pretty decent guy. He ends up being a decent guy for a little bit there, and it's, he goes by Joseph. Really, Magneto is a decent guy. He is. It's just that he knows what humankind can do because he's a survivor of the Holocaust. Yeah. And so he's never going to let the humans do that to mutants like they did to the Jewish community. Yeah, and when, I think it was like, what, our very first episode, we were talking about how underrated a book that Magneto book was. It's because that book, he's doing, he's doing horrible things, but at the same time he's doing things that he feels are right. He's actually doing things to protect mutants. Yeah. And that's always been his end game, and that's why, as a villain, he is probably one of the most relatable villains. The older you get, you're like, damn, he's 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 Magneto was right. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. basically, the, the the more you go on, you're like, damn, you know, like he really has seen the worst that humankind has to offer. So can you really blame him? Yeah, like he's 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 had he's had countless he's seen countless families being ripped apart. By humans, genocidal madmen, and like later on in this book, we get into a Magneto kind of storyline. But you know, for the most part, you know, such a good book, such a good villain. Um, yes, I, 
like we said, um, we're going to do this episode and probably as part two to finish the Uncanny Avengers. And then we intend to dive into the Magneto series. As these, those two series really come to a head to create access. The only, yeah, that, that is kind of the only thing that sucks about Uncanny Avengers is that for you to get the full kind of finale of like everything in this book, you unfortunately have to read Axis. That is kind of like the the wrap up, which is not, terrible. Yeah, not great. It's terrible. Not great. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's not one of because like it, when we get into Axis, we're and we'll talk about this, but there's something that happens in Uncanny Avengers, and that's what leads into Axis. There's actually quite a few things that happen on Uncanny Avengers that lead into Axis. And it, you want to see them resolve, so you pick up the book, and it just ends up not delivering. It goes into a completely different direction than what it was essentially advertised as, and it's just not its not good. No, <laughs> and, the, and the resolution in Axis is terrible. Leaves a terrible taste in your mouth. Oh, absolutely horrible. Um, but, so, back to topic here. Yeah. Um, so, so, now, so now we're basically... On a, on a filler issue. Like, a, after this first main story arc with the Red Skull, this is where we start getting into the, in my opinion, the, one of the best comic book storylines told in comics, especially in Marvel, in my opinion. Uh, I talk endlessly about this storyline, but it's basically, um, it's the start of the Apocalypse Twins storyline. Now, again, you know, and this issue, it goes into it, and you know, we're seeing the birth of the Apocalypse Twins, and, you know, we have, you know, Apocalypse's son, Holocaust, or Genocide, or whatever you want to call him. He's basically laboring, like, why you have your rightful heir right here? Just let me do yes. it. He was a Holocaust for a long time, and they decided that it was time to change his name because it just wasn't. Um, it's in bad PG. taste, guys. It's in bad taste. <laughs> and so he Which genocide's genocide. not too much better, but it's, I think well, it's a little bit well, more. Well, genocide's more acceptable because it's not, it's something that happened. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't happen to just one certain particular group. It happened in Russia. It happened in China. It happened in, uh, um. It's happened so frequently through history. Yeah, it's not, I mean, Pol Pot did it. In, whereas in Holocaust is very specifically, very specifically tied, tied to, to the Nazis of World War II which, and the Jewish community. Which, so, we're, you know, we're getting into this issue, and basically, you know, you see the twins for the first time. They're being sired by, you know, the pestilence and everything. They, they name them. They put them in this nice little kid's room. I don't really know like what the intention is, is, is of theirs, but now we get into... The Their intention is to let them grow up and take over as Apocalypse. Yeah, so, but like, so Kang, the Conqueror, if you don't know who Kang is, he's this time-traveling, you know... Where have you been? Yeah, he's, Where a, have you been? he's a pain in the ass. He's basically, he's he's been in the Marvel Universe at different points as different aliases. Especially, I have gone and watched... Uh, most of the uh, movies now yeah. for the MCU. He's go, yeah, he's going to be a huge and part in the new. After the entering Quantum Media, you absolutely should know who he is. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's basically a time traveler. He's always constantly trying to like maneuver and place things, and he's always manipulating the timeline to where his we get ultimate to a, goal 
he rules the universe, and everybody else falls beneath him or dies. Well, and, and he does it subtly too. That's his thing. Like he's not, he's not always like jumping around and just like bitch slapping everybody. He's kind of rearranging pieces in the past because he knows how it's gonna end, and he kind of goes back to certain points and yeah. kind of subtly does it. And this is this is another one of his attempts because he says in the future. The, these twins are constantly just like a pain in his ass. So the way he works around that is he abducts them. He takes he them abducts out of the, them. He takes them out of the time stream. And he takes them to a Ahab. Which is yeah, basically who is a mutant who creates prisons. And this particular prison is the prisons that are set up by Red Skull. Yeah. This is this is after the he has completely dis- defeated the uh, uncanny Avengers yeah. in the future. Th- yeah, this is a future that is a potential at this point juncture. Because a thing that they mention in this issue is the seven that become one. So there is a point where the prime timeline splits off into seven separate timelines. Seven possibilities. So, and, and they're all prime timelines. It's kind of like, you know, back in the day where they had the Age of Apocalypse universe. It's, yes. It is a timeline. But this is a big thing in the Marvel Universe. They, they kind of, the way they describe the multiverse is more like fractured timelines. Yes. It's, it's very much how they're doing it in the movies now. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you watch Loki, that's, they are constantly talking about how there's one prime timeline that that group that Loki's a part of is, you know, they're supposed to be enforcing this prime the sacred time- timeline. Yes, the sacred timeline. But <laughs> they, and they don't want fractures. But at this point, like I said, and they do bring that up. They they talk about how Beast has brought forward the, you know, um, the younger X Men. So like it's already been messed with, and it's at this point it already is fractured. But like it's this been is messed with so many times. <laughs> generally, if something happens and it doesn't create a whole new universe. Like it, when Beast brought the original five forward, it's essentially it, meant to happen. It's a, it's meant to happen. Yeah. So so that's like when to people who really haven't dived into comics and just watched the movies, when the Avengers muck around going after the stones in Endgame, it was decreed, so it was okay. Yeah. And they ended up putting everything back. Yeah, and that, and that was like the main part too. Is like they were like, after you're done. You have to go back and put these stones back, or else this doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. So another thing in this issue that also introduces is uh, Wonder Man and Janet Van Dyne are joining the team, but uh, but not as not originally as you know members, but like a PR team. Yes. Essentially, and they are also in the process with this of going and collecting Sunfire yes. Shiro. Yeah, Wolverine is in Japan. And he's he's going to talk to Shiro, which also has ties with Apocalypse. Yes, Shiro is a mad drunk right now yeah, because yeah. of dealing with having the recently disgorged the Death Speed. Which yeah, which so like at this point, how? Because you you were more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. How many fucking X Men have had? This, their the apocalypse is hooked in them. It's been oh, it's, it's so many. Shiro, 
Shiro had him. Cyclops. Did he? Yeah, because they yeah they said that Scott's had um, a little bit, not much. Okay. Obviously, Archangel. Archangel, Wolverine, yeah. Rogue, Gambit. Um, I don't remember how many of them, it, it, but there's God. like, well, every time Apocalypse creates a new Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, or tries to, which happens quite frequently, there's a new four X Men that he chooses. So those are the big ones that I can think of. If there's a whole list on like Wikipedia, yeah, under which, the Horsemen of Apocalypse, which shows you which Horsemen each one became. And which, which basically all this scene really is, is Wolverine being like, listen, dude, like I've been there. You've been there. I know how hard it is. This is your chance to suck it up. Let's grow up. Let's like, yeah, put on your big yeah. boy pants and let's get back at it. Basically. He's like, he's like, I need you. If you have any respect for me, you'll do this. And Shiro joins up, you know, like, so it's, this is basically the team just getting bigger. This is, it's, it's almost it's like actually Rick filling out the roster so that. In a later spot, when the team splits, everything can be even. Yeah. And it actually creates a weird kind of deal. Yeah. Well, and and it's 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 almost like a precursor too, because you, he, he Wolverine even says like, "There's nothing like having a walking atomic bomb in your pocket," and it's almost like foreshadowing, like the shit's about to go down. Yeah. Like you know, we need we need more power essentially. Yeah. Uh, but again, like we're in a we're you know we're in a meeting. And, like, basically it's the same thing. You know, everyone, you know, it's basically Cap and Alex. Fighting for control. Well, well, like, kind of playing off each other, uh, you know. And people talking to Alex, be like, you're doing great, you know, all this stuff. And the, at the same time, the X-Men are moving into the Avengers, the Avengers mansion. A mansion. Which isn't Gone. going over great because they're bringing some things that really should be brought. And replacing stuff, and especially Janet, yeah, gets super butthurt about it. Which, yeah, which, uh, which, which I, I don't, I don't know. You would think if anyone, she, well, and here's the thing, they're taking down pictures of like the original uh, of Avengers, which include her spousal abusing ass husband Hank Pym, yeah, which yeah. you'd think she would not want a reminder of. While she walked through the Avengers, no, God, no, no. He's 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 ter- he's terrible. Like, like that's the, see, that's <laughs> that's also kind of like another wild thing that kind of always took me back a little bit when I watched the Ant Man movie, was just how wonderful, you know, Michael Douglas was as Hank Pym. And I was like, it's not the Michael Douglas thing; it's more the fact that he chose to make Hank Pym like this likable guy. He's never been likable, but. There's points where you can see absolutely the asshole. Absolutely. But like it's but it's, it's But sometimes it's funny asshole and sometimes it's I'm just dickhead asshole. Yeah, yeah. Like when he gets a hold of the guy that actually is Hydra in Shield <laughs> for trying to uh produce the pim particles after he says something about Janet disappearing and Hank just grabs him by the back of the just head whoops the shit and out of him. breaks his freaking nose on the table by smashing it. That's good asshole. Yeah, yeah. When so, he's an asshole to Scott because he's still mad because Scott took the suit and went to Germany and got caught. That's bad asshole. It, 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 yeah, it's just basically his pride is in the way, getting in the way of, you know. Yeah. He's, 
Twitchy's old. He's had his heyday, you know, which, which I get. But at the same time, it's like, it's, you should be so lucky that someone like Scott Lang has your suit, which I know. I get it. Like, he's, you know, he's a former criminal and all that stuff. But anyways, and, we're, dive, we, you know, we're kind of getting off the train a little bit. We are getting off the train a little but, bit. So, but this whole thing is leading up to a press conference to announce the creation of the Avengers Unity Squad. Yeah. In which Alex is going to take lead. Well and, and he, well, and even before that, they were talking about how um, certain people should not be a part of the meeting or should be like, you know. In the background. Yeah, yeah. So, and like Alex steps up big time. This is his moment right here. He's like, I'm, no, I want full transparency. I want them to know who we are. This is the whole point of this team. Yes. And in fact, it was Rogue. They were going to keep off the screen because she had ties to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. Uh, Wanda. And Wanda, who had, again, ties to the Brotherhood, but also had other things that had kind of sullied her. So it was an Avenger. Even though Wanda's a mutant, she's more tied to the Avengers yeah. throughout history. And the X-Men. And he says, no, they both have to be there. Yeah. Well, like, I, like this is our team. And if you believe If we're in not this, being transparent, we're not really doing what we're saying we should be doing. Yeah, and it's it's a good it's a real peek into, you know, the way that Havoc wants to run this team and the way he continues to run the team when the shit really hits the fan. It's a, it's yeah. it's a good moment. Uh, so basically we get to a point where um, like they're having the they're having the press conference. Uh, you know, Havoc is talking about he takes his mask off. He's like, "I want you to see people not mutants yeah. or which the which the best heroes. part is, which the best part is he, he 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 says this is the best line he's like he's like he's like he's like do you know the word mutant I don't really like that word it's and then kind like, of a derogative term yeah it's, it's like so you so know what should we call you and he says how about we start with Alex it's so yeah it's such a good like this is this is prime writing this is like and it, and he says it with a smirk too which is just like yeah yeah it's it's such a it's such a good moment in this book that it's like it really is like that this is the theme that we are traveling on with this this whole storyline it's this you know yeah we're mutants and yeah we were born with this gift or a curse or however you want to look at it but at the end of the day we should be judging people based off their merits as a person not not who they are yeah and it is it is a huge deal in this book like it well, this is constantly the message that is bouncing back and forth. And this is a tie-back that goes all the way back to the start of the X-Men series. Because X-Men was Marvel's way of talking about... Racism. Civil, civil rights movements. Yeah. And that's how the X-Men were started, was because of civil rights. It was trying to make people see more than skin deep. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was yeah, it was Stan Lee's way of like you know basically talking out against racism and sexism and you know yes. just all all the problems that we had. It was it was his outlet for it, which yep. is kind of ingenious in a way. Really, know? it was like, because who could be offended by someone talking about? Uh, well, at the beginning, a bunch of white people who were segregated because of who they were. Yeah, 
And, yeah, and then, like, you know, the further we go along with X-Men, we start getting those mutants that don't look like your typical human being, you know. And that's, like, you know, that's, like, another thing that, like, even Alex even says. He's, like, I get, like, you know, it's easy to parade me when I look the way I do because I don't frighten people. And that that's a whole other thing that comes back later. Yeah. But, um, so, so then we're at this press conference, and uh, Grim Reaper shows up. Who is... Wonder Man's brother. brother. Twin brother. Yeah. Which they have, like, this... I don't know, like... They have this rapport. Well... And they were also, uh, at one point, dead together. Yes. And, and Wanda, Wanda brought them back because Wanda needed Simon. So, so uh, they had an event called Avengers Disassembled. And this was kind of an event where Wanda lost her goddamn mind. No, that never happened. <laughs> this was, yeah, this was before House of M. She lost her mind, and she brought back a bunch of dead heroes. Um, and I think that was when she brought back Wonder Man. But that's the tie that we're talking about, because I think... She couldn't bring Wonder Man back without, without bringing, bringing back Re the Grim Reaper. Because their powers are linked together. It's that ionic field. And the only thing he wants in life is to go back to being dead. He's over yeah. life. He's, he's over it. He's he's kind of always been over it, and that's like a thing that later... And in the process, Rogue obliges. Yeah, They couldn't well, beat her, beat him, in a straight-up fight. The only person that really could beat him was Wonder Man, but Wonder Man has taken a vow of pacifism. Yeah, that, yeah that's another thing. Um, yeah, Wonder Man is, you know, he's 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 not doing it anymore. He's, he's, he's used his body as a weapon, and he's basically been made to be a weapon so like he's he's over it he's, he's over he's it he's done he's he's out in california making movies and the only reason he's back is to fund the team basically yeah yeah which and, and, and he's the pocketbook because we gotta have somebody tony's not involved so well so that's another thing which i think is so funny too because they're talking about how another way to fund this iteration of the avengers is to make a mutant fashion line which is which is in my opinion, so great because let's face it, the mutants have always had great fashion. Yeah, they've always they've always looked significantly better than the Avengers. Oh yeah, always they have the always. best costumes. So I always thought that was I I did think that was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, so Grim Reapers whooping everyone's ass. Uh, Rogue, she can't take Grim Reaper's power. At one point, she tries, and he's like, "Well, mine's you know my strength is through technology, not you know." powers so and he basically knocks the shit out of her but she does grab some of wonder man's powers well actually like not some but you know a good majority of it and he does offer it to her it's he, not like he, he just takes it yeah he does yeah, yeah. and it, she it, hits it, him let, yeah let, let, let me say this anytime that rogue in this book because at this point she's learned um, she, 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 yeah, she does not take the power she they they are offered up to her it, it is it is consensual. Except for the whole water Well, yeah, but, you know, if, if you were in that situation, you would yeah. do what you got to do. Yeah. But, yeah, so she she decks him and, and literally breaks his neck. neck. And, and she says, like, I've hardly hit him. Yeah. And it kind of freaks her out. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's the thing. She's like, I didn't know you were this strong. So, like, basically that's her right there being like, oh, shit, he's been holding back this whole time. Like, this whole time. And this is what it was, and I had no idea. And I'm not on top of that, and now it's on live TV. Yeah. So she's... She's killed a man on live TV. 
so that was kind of like, you know, a thing, you know, that kind of backfires on them a little bit. Like yeah. Alex was like, you know, he was like, we need to be on. And then it, you know, shit hits the fan. So now we move on to the next issue, um, which is one of my favorite issues. It is, run. but it's kind of one that we're going to have to kind of gloss over here because it really isn't that important in the story. No. So the big thing is, in this one, is Kang has gone back as Immortus and is influencing Apocalypse to influence Thor, basically, to create a weapon that can defeat Celestial Arm. Well, so yeah, so basically Immortus, Immortus has, or, you know, Kang, has basically told Apocalypse, like, these are all the people that are gonna fuck you over in the future. So he is like, okay, I'll go back and get them when they're not powerful. But he ends up having a fight with young Thor. This is before Thor is worthy. You know, he doesn't have Mjolnir. He has an axe called Yarnbjorn. Which, I mean, and let's face it, like, like the whole fight is basically just Apocalypse wiping the floor with Thor. Yeah. But Thor gets so pissed off that he basically goes to Odin, he asks him, hey, I need this enchantment to cleave celestial armor. And Odin's like, no. No way. We have, we have, basically Odin's like, we have a treaty with the Celestials. We do not get involved in what they do. They don't get involved with what we do. It's kind of like this, you know, you know, this god bureaucracy. And he tells yeah. him that. He's like, this is bullshit. And, you know, Thor's a little hothead. When he was younger, he was kind of a dick, so, you know. Yeah. So he basically goes... And steals the information from well, Odin's library. he thinks it's from Loki. Basically, like, Loki's like, oh, I, I can show you what you need. He goes, okay. And then, of course, you know, Loki, you think it's Loki. And he's like, you know, he's basically like, oh, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. But then it's later revealed that that's actually also Kang. Yeah. So Kang is basically setting things in motion for, you know, this big event. But basically, long story short, we'll breeze through this issue because... But also, there's an, there is another point where uh, Apocalypse also tries to go after um, the ancestor of Wolverine. Yeah. So he's also trying to do this. But basically, that's all this issue is, for the most part. But th- then, then the you big find thing it. is, at the end, Yarn- Kang is gone back and taken Yarnborn yeah, out which, of Apocalypse's chest and collected it. Yeah, which, which is basically setting up for the next ep- issue. And that's really all you need to know from that issue is that Yarnbjorn now has incredible, incredible power to cut through celestial armor. armor. Um, and so now we're in the next it, we're in the next issue. We're basically now we're you know we're talking about you know basically genocide is you know going to become the next heir to um, apocalypse. apocalypse. But that's only because the Apocalypse Twins were stolen by King in the past. They've been gone for God only knows how long. They've become adults. Yes, yes. So, like, this Celestial shows up. He's going to give, you know, Genocide the Seed, uh, which The is, Death Seed, which is necessary for... The, the Death Seed is, like, the prince-in-waiting. Yes. Um, of becoming the next Apocalypse. Yes, that that's specifically what they have given Apocalypse. That's their, but they also have, which you'll find out later, they have life seeds, which can create, create life, new life. It can create new life, and it can you know do all this other stuff. So basically, 
like I said, we were talking about the life seeds, but um, the two Apocalypse Twins show up, and they have Yarnbjorn, and basically what they do is they just straight up murder a Celestial with, you know, this enchanted axe that they also stole from Kang. The Celestial that is producing the death seed that they are going to give to you. Yes. Uh, they call it the Gardener. This one is the Gardener, where later you'll meet a Celestial that is, like, essentially the Executioner. And this is where you start seeing the Apocalypse Twins' powers, because it's a, it's mildly terrifying, because they have really weird, like, Archangel-ish type powers, but, like, it's also time manipulation. Everything is about time with them. So, basically get to a certain point where, like, you know, they, they have killed the Celestial, taken the seed so that they, um, yes. Um, and they've also the stopped. that supported, uh, um, genesis. Yeah, and, or, and, or genocide. Genocide. Well, and they've basically murdered, like, except for their their own mother, they've murdered, like, the, the other, uh, you know, the other horsemen of the apocalypse, so. Yeah. There's really no one that can stand in their way from that camp now. So then we jump ahead to, basically, they are, because they murdered a Celestial, um, Abigail Brand, which is of S.W.O.R.D., which is, you know, another offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D., she's talking to Cap and Sunfire, and she's talking about the extreme amount of energy that has been dispersed, you know, because of this murder of the Celestial, and they start investigating. Yeah, they start investigating. Well, basically, it jumps to them also talking to Cap, the other Avengers that are in Avengers Mansion. So they're talking about, you know, this is the footage that we have, this, and they show them. And uh, basically, it's these two twins, which Wolverine basically freezes up, because he's like, oh shit, this is my, these are my chickens coming home to roost, you know. And then Thor sees Yarnbjorn, and he freezes and up. he freezes up, and everyone notices this, but they just don't really speak of it, right? Yeah, and this is where the the fracturing starts to begin. The first time, for the next, for the next big time. Yeah, but, but so basically, as they're having this meeting, um, the a ship shows up and basically just collides with the peak, which is the sword Four. headquarters. Um, everyone's scrambling. Um, Shiro decides to, he thinks, what, what everyone thinks when you're reading this is that he's going to sacrifice himself to save Captain America. Um, and he gets jettisoned and, you know, the, basically creates a giant in-orbit collision and pieces of the peak start raining down. Um. Which the Avengers, you know, if he shoves Captain America in an escape pod because they realize that the collision is imminent, and everybody's escaping, but that gets down to basically like, Shiro stays behind to try and go fight him. Yeah, fight the Apocalypse Twins, and sends Cap to Earth because he's not going to be able to survive in space, which Shiro can, because he's freaking. An atomic monster, basically. <laughs> he he uh, he he says later he creates his own like type of oxygen that feeds his body, which is another just another thing that if you don't like Shiro by the end of this book, then I don't know what's wrong. But so basically, that whole thing's happening, and 
they say later that it's basically a distraction. Um, Captain America lands in, like, a sedan or something like that. I don't think it's ever actually said. It's just an Arabic country where Captain America and all of America are very not welcome. Yes, yeah. And um, so basically, he's there. Um, he's, like, mm-hmm. having to fight through, you know, basically. Um, Nobody knows where he's at because yeah. those pods are landing all over the place. Yeah, and so basically, this, you know, Thor and Shiro, they get aboard the spacecraft that crashed into the peaks. Well, Shiro's obvious there. Thor, as soon as he sees Yarnborn, takes off. Slips out the back door. He's on his horse, and he's on the way to go kick these people's ass and take back his ass. Yeah, so so already, there's a, they're already, they are already divided, but like for the most part, it's just Shiro and Thor, and um, Captain America is, you know, in this place, but Shiro and Thor get transported, or teleported, because the whole ship goes just teleports into thin air. You don't know where it, where it went, but then we get this scene where basically the Avengers are flying to um, try and find Captain America. They're trying to, yeah, they're, well, they're, they're also trying to find, like, you know, how they can get to essentially where this ship teleported. Um, so. And in the process of, of all this, Cap is in this country that's not friendly. He's being chased, and he comes across this, like, cavern of safety. Yeah. And in the cavern, there's a message that starts to play. And you see it right at the end of this this episode. Yeah, and it's it's almost like a um, it's almost like a time capsule. Because that's the other thing you learn later, is that the Apocalypse Twins have created a Tachyon Dam, which basically prevents anyone from coming in or out of that uh, time period. This particular time period. Yes. So um, this is a message left for Captain America. Way before. By Kang. <laughs> yeah. So basically it's Kang essentially telling him, you it, know, of everything he's done, this is what's happening. Actually, it's Immortus, which is yeah. more... He's, he's, he's more trusted by the Avengers than Kang. Yeah. But um, he's still not super trusted. Yeah. And so now we're in uh, the Akaba... Um, Metropolis, which is basically under, it's under Antarctica. It's basically like this whole giant uh, city. Not that Antarctica, is, the North Pole Ice. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Antarctica would be yeah, the, yeah. Uh, uh, the primeval zone where uh, the dinosaurs still live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, S- Savage Land? The Savage Land, yes. yes. Okay. The Savage Land. So basically, basically, all this moment is right now is it's it is the Apocalypse Twins. They're basically like, you know, they're in this place. They are essentially goading to Thor and Shiro, saying, this is, we have Yarnbjorn. We've started a war with the Celestials. And uh, basically they murder all these former, act- these former mutants that believe in Apocalypse and what he stands for. But they used to be, they're, they are humans. They're not mutants anymore. No, they're, they are depowered. They're depowered from the uh, decimation, which, which is the fall of Wanda. Yeah. It's all on Wanda. M-Day, essentially. Yes. So, basically, like, they just slaughter all these people, and they blow up, you know, that whole underground area. But in the meantime, they're talking about things that set this in motion, like the 
death of their father, which Wolverine did, and the axe that Thor did, and all of this is your fault. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, basically setting up, they blow it up. This knocks the Avengers out, I'm assuming. And then we get into the next issue, which is basically their upbringing their, with Kang the Conqueror. Um, it was an Age of Ultron tie-in, which that was a whole big thing at the time. That's the other thing. There was, like, multiple events also going on during this run. Yeah. Um, every time you turned around, there was some little event going on. Which is, we've talked about this before, the whole, you know, event fatigue. Yeah. So basically, um, we get we get into a future, one of the seven timelines, where um, basically... Um, the Apocalypse Twins are getting raised. Yeah. And we're getting more of their backstory. And uh, so basically, this is just Kang uh, forcing the Apocalypse Twins to go and essentially get get used to the idea of, like, murdering and, like, you know, killing and, you know, all this, all this stuff. Basically doing what has to be done. Their to... mission in this is to kill Captain America. Yeah. And Which... This they is, wait until Captain America in this divergent universe goes into the sewers to try and arrest a Morlock, which... Uh, Caliban. Oh, it's Caliban. Yeah. Okay. Another mutant that has ties to Apocalypse. Yeah. He's been a He was a, a, horseman. He was a former horseman. Uh, um, and it creates... And basically you find out that Alex... It's the leader of the Morlocks. He's married to Rogue. There's, you know, it's just, it's basically like a different thing. Um, so when they attack Captain America, Captain America first thinks that he's being attacked by Morlocks. And Alex and Rogue are like, no, this isn't This us. isn't us. This isn't one of ours. And they try to help him. Um, and instead of being able to help him, the Apocalypse Twins end up killing Havoc. Oh, yeah. The, like, in this I, issue. And by killing, I mean they cut his ass in half. <laughs> they yes. cut him clean in half. That's one of the things. They both have wings. They can fly. Yeah. And um, so they kill Havoc. But the one is unwilling to kill Rogue. I think it's the girl. Uh, no, it's the it's, boy. It's the boy. Um, yeah, he, he... This is basically something that comes back later, one of them is a little bit more willing to do what is necessary. This kind of shows you that the boy, uh, I believe his name is Iman, um, but he, he, he's a little skeptical. He's, you know, he, he knows that he's powerful. He's a little bit cocky. He's a little brazen, too, um, throughout this whole thing. But, like, basically, this issue all is, is, is basically just to give you more more background into who these characters are, their relationship that they have with Kang, their upbringing, which is very informative to how they are now. Yeah. Um, and also, this is, you know, uh, this is where they, this is the issue where they find out about Yarnbjorn for the first time. Yes. And, and this kind of sets also, their plan into motion. It also is where they are sent back to the Hounds again, and as punishment for escaping... Uh, the one that wouldn't kill, uh, Iman. 
she's is forced to take his sister's eyes. Yeah, Ahab is like, if you, basically tells him, like, if you don't take your sister's eyes, I will kill her. And then he, he does it. And th- this is like a, it's kind of like a whole thing, because she has, like, this weird kind of, like, synesthesia, which is basically, like, this condition where, like, you... She hears... Hears colors. The, and hears colors, and it also is allows her to hear the tachyon yeah. stream. So, so, yeah. So she can... It kind of opens up her ability to be able to be a, see into the future. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. Like, she can kind of predict things a little bit more um, than I might be. Yeah. So we get to the next issue, basically. No, this is... Unfortunately, um, this is carried on a little longer than we thought, and we're going to end up Turning this into three pieces of uh, content for you guys. So we're going to kind of stop here and we're heading into, going to head into a break and prepare for episode four next time. Uh, if you want to contact us, go to omega.core.pod at gmail.com, all lowercase. Uh, Core is spelled C-O-R-P-S. Or go to the Omega Course with Keith and Chris on Facebook. Uh, go read something new or find something you love and reread that. Absolutely. Have a good week, guys. Bye-bye.